1: Good evening, Jet Nation Radio. I'm glad to be back this week uh, with my host, uh, Dylan Terriman. Glenn will not be joining us tonight, uh, but Dylan and I will be holding down the show. And we also have a special caller coming in tonight, uh, part of our Jet Nation crew. Uh, We'll be joined by Green Bean probably in the next 15 or 20 minutes or so. So it'll be good to have Green Bean on the podcast. I believe this is his first time, so uh, that's quite exciting. And uh, before uh, I get right into the details of tonight's show, um, let's go ahead and give a shout-out to our sponsor, Mile Mile Social. Now, if you're running your company and you're just tied up with your day-to-day operations and you don't have time to get your company's face on the social media network, you have to go to milesocial.com. They will help you with your social media management. They'll help you with web design. They'll increase your search engine optimization. And basically anything and anything, everything that you need as far as getting your company's presence out there in social media, Mile Social is your go-to. That's M-I-L-E-S-O-C-I-A-L.com. So with tonight's topics, obviously we're going to be going over uh, last night's Monday night football game. Uh, another unfortunate loss for the Jets, but uh, it was a little bit closer than I believe a lot of us had anticipated. Uh, We'll also be talking about, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, We saw a lot of young players out there, so Dylan and I will go ahead and, uh, you know, go over what players stood out to us and, uh, you know, what glimpses of hope we might have for the future with this young roster. And um, so I'm going to throw it right to you, Dylan. How are we doing tonight?
2: Hey, Ox, I'm doing well. Uh, Despite, you know, another Jets loss, I think you have to come away smiling for the most part. We saw a lot of positive signs from the offense as well as the defense. I mean, new faces making new plays. And um, I think all around, it's a loss that, you know, hurts Jets fans to see to the Patriots of all people. But, you know, for the fans in favor of the tank, it's... All well and good. So, I think it's a, a mixed bag again, but that seems to be the, the uh, mindset of 2020 for the Jets.
1: Yes, it it, it really really does. Um, you know, it's just been uh, like I told you uh, off air. It's kind of been a little bit of an emotional roller coaster here, um, but you know, we did see some things last night that we haven't seen in a really, really long time, which was an offense that has been able to move the football uh, and put some points on the board. Um, I believe the Jets had scored um, four times out of their first five offensive drives. This is just things that we haven't seen in a while, Um, you know, from this team and and from this offense, and and a lot of the uh, criticism has been on that side of the ball. So, you know, there were some things last night that were quite positive, Um, even though, you know, we blew it in the last six minutes of the game. um, You know, like I said to you, Dylan, at least we had a dog in the fight last night. Um, A lot of the times people are tuning out, you know, after the first quarter, or you know, no one's coming back after the first half. And, you know, most of us were right there to the last minute, um, wondering if the Jets were going to get that first win of the year or others that, you know, are part of the Tankathon here, we're, we're pulling for our rivals to try to squeak this one out so that the fans that want Trevor Lawrence and, and that uh, future, um, you know, that's still alive. But, um, you know, we like to start things off um, running down the roster here, um, and I'm just going to cover just a couple players that got injured last night, um, you know, something that we have to keep our eyes and ears on and that was Brian Poole and Makai Becton. Now, I believe Brian Poole was dealing with a knee injury, um, and Arthur Mallette had to come in and finish out the game for him. Another really, really alarming injury was to Mackay Becton. Now, it was said that he had an injury to his chest. Um, some people were you know, alluding, oh, no, this could be a torn pec. Uh, you could lose him for the season. Um, from what I read, uh, earlier, and I'm not sure if you saw anything on this, uh, Dylan, but it looked like he was having some breathing problems. And, you know, with today's pandemic and everything like that, that's definitely quite alarming. He's a big young man, and uh, you definitely don't like to hear things like that. So, you know, our thoughts are going out to Mackay Becton, and we're hoping that, um, you know, he's able to, to get through this. You know, he's already been dealing with a shoulder injury. Um, but that was, you know, quite alarming. Um You know, and and not much has changed yet. Um, Sam Darnold's still working through his shoulder, injury, and, um, you know, as of uh, a couple of the guys in the receiving room, um, I've been a little banged up as well, nothing too alarming. Um, I think last day was the first time we saw um, Paramin, Crowder, and Mims on the field all at the same time, and it was pretty pretty cool to, uh, you know, see what, this offense is supposed to look like. Um, Unfortunately, number 26, Le'Veon Bell, wasn't a part of this um, because that, you know, kind of shows me that um, this offense definitely had the opportunity to to make some noise, but they just couldn't put it together in time. But uh, what did you come away with um, from the game
2: last night, Dylan? Just to touch back on the Mackay thing, I mean, you got to hope that you don't see the Jets in in the news. You don't see a tweet about them, you know, from Adam Schefter, Tom Pellicero saying that the Jets had a confirmed COVID case. I definitely think that would be a scare to a lot of Jets fans, especially being that he is, you know, a heavier man. So definitely something to be, you know, alert for, but overall from the game, I mean, a lot of the positives I came away with were Brashad Perriman. I mean, I tweeted it out. He's winning more consistently at the line of scrimmage. You saw a nice little uh, stutter move against J.C. Jackson down the field on his 50-yard touchdown pass from Joe Flacco. And I think he's starting to come together as what the Jets had hoped to be when they signed him in free agency. Um, so I came away with Perriman at the double plus. Uh, Mims was another plus. Uh, I think he's every week he's shining more and more. He had, I believe, six for 42 or four for 62, four for 62. And uh, a lot of that was after the catch and, you know, being real physical with the defenders. So I liked that a lot. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball, Fuloransu Um, he was probably the best player on the defensive line for sure. Possibly the best player on the defense. I had a hard time in my game recap choosing him or Harvey Langey. As my defensive player of the game, him and Harvey Lange were just all over the ball. Kasi had a nice fourth and uh, one run stuff and and a forced fumble, actually, on the same play. And Lange, I mean, he was all over the place. He almost had a sack on Cam Newton twice on the same play. And then you see him 10, 11 yards down the field making a tackle. So it was it was nice to see him taking advantage of his opportunities after the Williamson trade we weren't exactly sure how that was going to look so you have to you have to come away with a positive from him and uh, I also liked Ashton Davis I thought he had the best game of his season Um, he played 100% of the snaps again Uh, he had a couple plays that I didn't think looked you know the greatest like uh, Cam Newton's first touchdown run I thought he was you know playing a little hesitant wasn't ready to tackle him but He was up at the line of scrimmage in the eight-man box a lot, and he actually looked good. He was beating defenders at the line of scrimmage, getting after the quarterback. He had a a fluky roughing the passer, which the Jets are prone to getting called on them every week. So, you know, you have to watch that with him. But all all in all, I think he had a great game. Yeah, for sure. Uh,
1: Foley um, is just one of those guys that I feel – he needs more reps. Um, you know, we got to keep him in the trenches. He does really, really well. You know, plug in the A and the B gap, and it was just really, really cool to see him. Uh, you know, stuff there. Take, I think he took the guard on and just, you know, just moved him right into the to the running back and then swallowed him up. And you can really see that that guy's a force to be reckoned with on the defensive line.
3: Right. One... Sorry about that. <laughs>
1: bogus random noises from my, my uh, computer coming you know, over here. But, um, yeah, you know, um, another player that was trying, kind of went under the radar there that um, people may not know is, you know, Bless Austin with 12 total tackles. Um, he was really, really involved. You know, that's one thing that I like about Bless is that he's a willing tackler. He's not one of those corners that is going to shy away from contact. Um I am a little concerned with him, and, you know, uh, cerebral. likewise, trying to diagnose, um, you know, the the quarterback and what the receiver is doing. It kind of seems like he's still a little raw in that aspect, um, which is not surprised at all because he spent a lot of his time being injured and trying to recover from multiple injuries throughout college. He comes into last season, um, you know, pretty late on in the year, um, gets a handful of games, looks pretty decent. So this is kind of like his first year, first real start to a season with what he's got going on. And, um, you know, I'm not ready to, to write him off. I do feel that, you know, there's some things in his game that he needs to clean up. But, you know, bless Austin is improving slightly. Um, you know, obviously I I can't sit here and say that the Jets, are fine with that position moving forward. I still feel that they need to um, keep adding depth and talent to the cornerback position. Cause at the end of the day, you know, when these games are determined, it's, it's normally with the quarterback and, you know, a good receiver, you know, beating somebody in coverage. So, you know, you need quality play on the outside. We're starting to see a little bit of that from blessed Dawson. Um, you know, but we just really, really need him to start improving some other small details, so that he can become that complete uh, lockdown corner that we hope he could be. Um, and uh, another player um, that that stood out to me was Terrell Basham. Um, I saw he had like two and a half tackles for a loss last night. He was in the backfield quite often. Um, I kind of hope he sticks around for next year. Um, maybe not. He may not be the starter next year, but as a rotational piece. I really like what, what Basham's been doing. Um, and as uh, I think you mentioned before, Harvey Lange, um was just a man possessed last night, and he ended up with 10 total tackles and uh, one big hit on Cam Newton, which kind of stood out. Um, I'm not sure if Lange is the future for our inside linebacker position, but it, it was nice to see, um, you know, something that we had talked about last week, Dylan, you know, who's going to be the guy that steps in for A.B. Williamson, you know, how exactly is that going to work? And, you know, will it be an upgrade or a downgrade? Um, you know, the Jets run defense was not stellar last night, but, you know, we maintained, um, competitiveness and we were putting points on the board and kind of forcing new England to try to throw the ball on us. Um, even though they were quite successful with, in the run game last night, especially with, uh, Damian Harrison until he had to check out. But, uh, Yeah, you know, a lot of good things um, came from that we don't normally really talk about defensively, Um, and a lot of young guys. I mean, the youth movement was in full effect last night. It's kind of what we really need to be seeing at this point because, Mm -hmm. you know, like we talked about last week, what is the the point in having veterans take away young player snaps? Um, The season's lost. We're not going to the playoffs. We're not winning the Super Bowl this year. So we got to see what we have from whoever's healthy from our draft class or, you know, whomever is healthy that's getting toward the end of their contracts. And will we be looking to make extensions for particular players and keeping them in the long haul? You know, those are the players that we really need to start seeing uh, moving forward. Um, so uh, I believe Green Bean will be joining us um, really, really shortly here. But, um, Dylan, I'm just going to ask you just a quick question here um, right off the top sure. of my head. Uh, what was the most exciting play um, that that you recall last night that almost made you jump out of your seat?
2: Okay, so oof. There's, there's actually a couple, which it, as a Jets fan is – different in 2020 you know I don't usually have decisions it's very one play and that's really it so I think it has to be one of the two passes that Joe Flacco made for touchdowns whether it's the Perriman DR touchdown or that that Jamison Crowder in the front corner of the end zone but I think I think Mm -hmm. I have to go with the Crowder one in the front of the end zone I think that one was a beautiful pass. not only was it a beautiful catch don't get me wrong Jamison Crowder I mean toe drag swag on that one but oh yeah Joe Flacco put that ball exactly where it needed to be and I mean I'm not I'm not trying to add to the the fire of of the hate on Darnold crew but I'm not exactly sure if Darnold could have made those types of passes last night that Flacco was making down the field I know we're capable of throwing it down the field with Darnold but Blacko put it on the money, and he was dealing in the first half. So I, I think the, the Crowder play was my most, oh, my goodness, this is a, a Jets team now type of play. What did you think?
1: You know, it's interesting that you say that, and I'm glad that you brought up Sam and, you know, not to, you know, rain on him, but when, when Sam feels pressure coming on, his first instinct is to, is to run and escape the pocket. Um, and that's mm-hmm. kind of how you know plays break down. That's how receivers that are open don't get found. Um, you know, you you could see a little bit of the veteranness coming from Flacco, with him stepping up, delivering a strike, and then and then taking one on the chin from the defense. And unfortunately, sometimes that's what you got to do to play as a quality quarterback in this league. You have to take your licks. You know, you can't just be completely clean and perfect. Um, you know, from the quarterback position. And you saw a little bit of that, even with, you know, old man Joe Flacco, um, who is not mobile in any shape or form, but you saw him kind of scoot around the pocket a little bit sometimes, step up in the pocket, um, deliver the football where it needed to be. You know, there was a couple errand throws, of course, uh, but, you know, the deep ball accuracy um, early on in the game is definitely – what caught my attention, um, that Crowder catch was absolutely magnificent. Um, just a savvy play, um, good body control, great to, you know, secure the catch and, and, you know, corral the football and maintain possession. Just just an awesome play by Crowder. But the play that made me jump out of my chair was probably the Ashton Davis would-be sack. Um, unfortunately, he got called for roughing the passer, and it was loud, you know, no, no fans in the, in the stand. So you can pretty much almost hear all the hits and everything that's going on. And, um, you know, it, it, it looked clean. Like the announcer had said, you're talking about a six foot five quarterback at almost 240 plus pounds. And, and his helmet was right on his shoulder. Um, yes, did he end up with, you know, making a little bit of contact upstairs on him? I mean, you could really see the way Cam Newton was looking around. He was wincing a little bit and probably a little short of, uh, you know, of air there, you know, probably got the wind knocked out of him just a little bit. Um,
3: so, yeah, yeah it that,
1: it. that really, really excited me um, to see Davis, you know, kind of playing around the line of
2: scrimmage and, and
1: doing things that I honestly didn't think he was capable of.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think he stepped in, to that almost like the Jamal Adams, 2019 role similarly last night, they ran a lot of three, four with him just outside the box, you know, coming as a rusher, you saw him jamming tight ends and wide receivers at the line of scrimmage really creating pressure in the backfield. And I'm actually glad you brought up that play specifically because I think that that play is a microcosm of the jets creating their own penalties week in and week out on roughing the passer and, referees continually keying in on that for the jets and everybody's saying, all right, watch their quarterback because the jets are prone to hitting him up above the, you know, the shoulder and head area. And I think refs are really watching that this year, specifically with the jets, because I think they said it on the broadcast, it's our 10th roughing the passer penalty. And that's just unacceptable. And, and that those
1: 10 roughing the passer uh, penalties leads the NFL as well. Um, Interesting how the announcer had phrased it saying, you know, that that's a Greg Williams style defense. Um, I know Greg Williams is got a label on him, but I don't think that that's what he's coaching to be quite honest with you. He wants his players to be aggressive. I mean, again, we've talked about this on, on how do you, you know, move your body as quickly as possible between a five to seven yard span, carrying all that weight and momentum and at the last second, you have to be as you know gentle as possible when you're bringing down the quarterback. Um, must be you know something that a lot of these players have had to you know retrain their mind and body to do because uh, in the old days, that's a clean hit, um, that's a sack for the Jets, and and you know that's possibly uh, you know a game changer. Um, that 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 could have changed the momentum of the game for sure. Um, but you know that's kind of the game that we're in today and. You know, the Jets have to be smarter about, you know, the way that they take down the quarterback. And, um, you know, clearly um, they have not been able to come over that hump yet on, uh, you know, taking the quarterback down for clean sacks. But it looks like we have a caller on the line here, and I do believe that that is our man Greenbean. Let's see if I can get him on the air. Callers, uh, is that Greenbean?
4: It is GreenBeam.
1: All right. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is our Jet Nation crew member, GreenBeam. And uh, as I said at the top of the show, uh, Green's been all over the YouTube and Instagram scene, Facebook, you know, putting out videos about Jet Nation kind of traveling around the world or country, I should say, and, um, you know, yeah. giving us his takes on the jets for on the road here. So uh, first off, how are you? Welcome to the show. Is this your first time on on the
4: show? You know what? It is my first time, and you know there were uh, some attempts throughout the you know this year to try to make the connection, but it just just didn't work. So I'm really excited to be on. This is a, a it's been a long time coming, and I'm really excited to be here, man.
1: That's great. That's great. So um, Dylan's with us. Glenn couldn't join us for for the party tonight. Um, But Dylan and I were basically going over last night's game and and giving our, uh, you know, takes of what we saw, um, a little bit of a different offense. Um, We were moving the ball for a change and and putting up some points um, and looking like an actual NFL football team. Um, Why don't we start uh, with the Monday night game? And um, what did you come away with from last night's game?
4: Well, yeah, I mean, how, uh, how great was it to actually watch a little bit of competent football? And, you know, my, my first thought was, you know, this is really the effect of having our three primary weapons in the passing game on the field for the first time. I mean, you know, people can say one way or the other that it's not that big of a deal, but I think it was absolutely uh, undeniable that getting our three primary targets out there had that impact it, it gave us the ability to move the ball a little bit better than we've seen and it was uh, it was really exciting man I mean I think Denzel Mims had a couple really great plays where he looked like he was tackled and was able to shake the tackler get five six more yards one of those was uh you know uh, he got the first down so I think Denzel Mims, I'm, I'm really loving seeing him out there. I think uh, that, that bomb to – I don't think it was a bomb, but that pass to Crowder in the end zone, what a perfect pass that was. And then the, the catch, man, that was just one of those plays where, you know, you, you, you know, it makes you feel bad for like what could have been. It's like clearly these guys have some talent. We have some talent on the team. But, uh, you know, we're just not putting together. But it was really great to see that. But I'll admit, I'm, uh, I'm 100% into the tank. I really am. And as hard as that is to do, you know, I still, if, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if we get a touchdown, I'm still just as excited as I always am. But then I start to say, oh, man, but we can't, you know, we can't have that. We need to lose. And so it was really great to watch a good, fun football game. And then at the end when we do our you know, our usual collapse in the fourth quarter, especially to the Patriots, it was nice to not be upset at the end of it. I think my my favorite play of the game with Tank in mind was was the Cam Newton pass uh, to get him into field goal range. I just felt a, a sigh of relief. But um yeah, man, you know, it it's hard to root for the tank, but I, I have to admit that I that's where I am. I don't, I don't want to do these meaningless wins and, and miss out on a guy like Trevor Lawrence or even Justin Fields if that's what they want. I think even if Joe Douglas wants to trade down, I want to have that option from pick number one and be able to do what we need to do as opposed to having pick number nine and just picking another defensive tackle or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? But it was fun. Yes,
1: absolutely. And and that was, was going to be one of the things I was going to ask you is, um, you know, if you had your choice, um, you know, would you go for a Lawrence or, um, you know, or like you said, a Justin Fields? And it seems like you would. Now, would you be interested in, you know, possibly moving that sliding back within the top 10 and getting some extra picks and, and going forward with Darnold and possibly adding more weapons? Because, you know, everything that I hear about this upcoming uh, draft class is that the wide receivers are just as deep, if not better, than last year. And I thought last year's class was pretty impressive. So would you be interested in getting a haul and and maybe forging
4: forward with Darnold? Well, you know what would be interesting? And this is where it gets fun. You know, sadly, over the past 15 years or so, you know, well, let's say 10 years since you know, we got to the AFC championship game, I've really become uh, more enamored with the off season than the regular season. It's it's like, as soon as the regular season comes (laughs) around, then I'm miserable. And the off season, it's like, you know, we have a blast. We're doing mocks and we're talking about this guy and that guy and free agency and trades, whatever else. And it's just, uh, that's become more enjoyable to me as sad as that is to say. But so these kinds of topics really interest me and it's, you know, think about this. How interesting would this be? Let's say we hypothetically hire Greg Roman, and we can talk about Gase if you want in a minute, but let's just assume for argument's sake that, that we hire Greg Roman, my, actually my number one head coaching candidate. That's the guy I would like the most. So we hire Greg Roman, and he thinks that Justin Fields is actually a better candidate than Trevor Lawrence. Wouldn't it be cool to trade back to number two, to the Jags, get their second first-round pick, maybe a first round next year or another third or whatever it might be, but we get, you know, both of their picks, number two and wherever the other pick is from the – I think they have the Steelers, is it, right, or uh, some – maybe the Rams. I think they have the Rams pick. Uh, So we get another first, and then we take Justin Fields, at number two, giving the Jags Trevor Lawrence. And then we're able to, just like you said, you know, use that capital to, to build around this new quarterback. We get another wide receiver. Maybe we grab Kyle Pitts, the tight end, uh, you know, with uh, our second, first, or what have you. But it opens up a lot, of, a lot of doors to a lot of options if we're willing to do that. It's scary when you have a guy like Trevor Lawrence sitting there um, you know, because you remember, it's like when you had, I think it was Peyton Manning, and then the next pick was, uh, was Ryan Leaf. Weren't they together? Or who, I think that's the way it went. Um, forgive me if I remember it incorrectly, but, you know, not always, it's not always that the number two quarterback there is just as good. Sometimes it's a huge drop-off. Look at Stafford to Sanchez. You know, so it's scary to do that, but if we have a competent coaching staff, and all those draft picks in the you know in the first 30 something picks that's uh that's something to consider it'd be interesting wouldn't it uh, absolutely um you know and and you couldn't
1: you know not tell me that we have the opportunity to slide back just a couple picks get some more draft capital and then continue to build um this roster you know from you know from within um and and keep in-house guys you know that's something that I don't think the jets have done actively, um, throughout the years. Um, you know, as I think they put last night, we have one or two guys from our like 2017 draft left on the roster. Um, you know, clearly looking at our record and looking at how things have played out, that's not the way that you go ahead and and you build for the future. Um, so greedy, you just went ahead and, and you mentioned, uh, you know, the man of many, many topics of conversation, Adam Gase. So I'm <laughs> going to get straight straight into um, the six-minute mark left in this game of last night. Um, the Jets are up by seven. We got six minutes left on the clock. The defense had just let up a score, and he dials up. three Three receivers go out. You have two guys going down the sidelines for streak routes. And then you have Griffin on an out route where it seemed like no one had covered him and he had nothing but daylight in front of him. Was that the right call at that point in time from Adam Gase or Dow Loggins, whomever, you know, I I think there's a conspiracy theory going on that, that I was going to ask Dylan about later on about who's really calling the plays. But how did you feel about that, that call at the six minute mark?
4: Well, you know what? I have to be honest with you. I'm not really recalling the scenario. Um, as you may or may not know, we do a Jet Nation uh, live stream for the game. Uh, so, I, you know, we have a pretty consistent crew of guys in there, and we're all talking and stuff. So I haven't watched the replay of the game yet to really dissect, you know, exa- like all that time management stuff and all those little nuanced wrinkles. So, sadly, I'm, I'm not really sure of the – of the uh, circumstances that you're bringing up right now.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, just to, to go, you know, further that basically, Gay said, um, you know, if you want to win games, you have to be aggressive. So it seems like he's backing his call. Um, it does seem like he was the one that dialed up that play um, and, and he stuck by his quarterback, even though he, he caused a turnover, um, which led them to tie the game up. And, and then of course that led to, um, our demise. So, um, what, you was know, that, me personally, the my perspective on it? that was the interception play. Yup. And, um, Got you it. know, I, it was a little bit of a head scratcher. I would have at least ran the ball once, maybe twice, uh, just to get some time off the clock. The jets literally took no time off the clock whatsoever. Um, but you know, Gr- green bean, thank you so much for, um, taking the time and, and coming onto the show here. Is there anything, that you want to, um, you know, uh, give, give a hot take for us of, of where this team might be going um, for the future. And uh, before you sign off, please let our listeners know um, how they can get involved with the content that you're creating because, you know, I love everything that you're doing out there and, and I enjoy all the videos that you put out there.
4: Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm having a good time doing it. Uh, so let me just say this. I know a lot of people are kind of wishy-washy on their feelings with Joe Douglas. You know, is he not the guy? Look at the teamy, but you know that he built. We're zero nine. I want to just tell everybody that we really should calm down a little bit. I have the utmost faith and confidence in Joe Douglas. He is the he is the finest football mind we've had in here since Parcells, without question. We've had accountants as our as our GMs and Mike McGaughn who the hell knows why why he was even a GM. We've had terrible people in there. We finally have somebody, you know, somebody in there that is actually competent and is and has a long-term plan. He had to undo all the knots that McGaughn tied whether, you know, Anunwa and, and Bell and and all these contracts and all this sort of stuff that he had to undo. And he's doing a great job acquiring assets we need to give this guy some time and stop calling for his head take that angst and face it where it needs to go which is adam Gates. adam Gates is a fraud adam Gates should never should have been a head coach in the league and that's a whole other story but that's the thing i'd like to just tell everybody and another thing is no one should buy jet merch <laughs> i don't want to get anybody in trouble <laughs> or anything but if we stop buying jets merch the 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 johnson's We'll hear it that's the only thing that they listen to, and they just did a sixty five percent off and all that don't don't be fooled, man but uh oh. yeah so and so that's my thing. I think joe douglas is is fantastic. I know he's made some mistakes that's that's always going to happen, but we got to give this guy time. I really honestly believe in him, and i I just want jet nation to know that I think that he's the the real deal, but uh in closing, we'll just say that. You can see all of our videos on the YouTube page, Jet Nation. You just go to YouTube and type Jet Nation into the search bar there, and you'll, and you'll come up to our page, and you can see all our videos in addition to the podcast and all that. But um, we have a live stream for every game. You know, we, we start a few minutes early, and we, we, we watch the whole game together, and I talk to you guys. We, you know, we uh, comment back and forth. It's really a good time. We have a pretty consistent crew that show up, maybe 40, 50 guys. That show up every week, and it's growing every week. And uh, it would really be great if everybody would stop by. You know, we'd love to have you. And that's uh, every game, no matter what day of the week it is, Jet Nation's YouTube page.
1: Green Bean, thank you so much. I'm going to be sure to tweet that out and let our listeners know where they can find you. Um, You keep doing what you do, which is awesome, man. And thank you again for giving us your time. We really enjoyed this.
4: Yeah, thank you. It was really great to be on. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon. Right. Be well, my friend. Good night. Bye.
1: Okay. So, Dylan, um, before you and I get into the rest of the topics on the show, we have another caller on the line. And thank you for your patience. Um, and, caller, you are live on Jet Nation Radio. Um, who are you, and what's happening?
3: Hi, this is Louie from uh, New Jersey, a long-time disgruntled Jet fan. And last Louis, was North, how, how we, we doing? Awful. Let's just say, though, I'm not okay. surprised because I, cause, uh, I think I knew in the end that in you know, a the Patriots, they always find a way to win against the Jets, even if they're down like about by 30 points. No league is safe with, with uh, the Jets against the Patriots. Last, it was just another example, and... Why is Gase still coaching this team? He should have fired, you know, week five of the season. They still keep him. You know what? I it, It's one
1: of the mysteries of this season. Um, yeah. You know, it's either Gase has some, some good dirt on the Johnsons or he's just a heck of a salesman. And every time they try to kick him out the door, he, he just figures out a way to change the topic of conversation. And next thing you know, he's, he's back in uh, in the office, you know. Um, right at 8 a.m. I can tell you this. He will not be the Jets coach forever. Um, When his termination will happen, I I cannot tell you, my friend. But um, I can say Mm -hmm. that uh, just hang tight. And, um, you know, right now it does seem like we do have somebody that's competent um, in the general manager chair and Joe Douglas. I've been very critical of him. Um, But it it seems like you – um, we're a little perplexed with the Jets uh, imploding last night. Um, are you one of the people that are for the tank, or do you want to see this team try to do something good and, and make some progress and, and maybe win a game or two before it's all said and done?
3: Well, I was thinking about it, I mean, because, you know, I'm hearing a lot of um, conflicting reports, you know, about Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, there's reports saying that he doesn't even want to go to the Jets. If, the, if he does get selected, he wants to be traded, or at least as I hearing from, from uh, former uh, Joe Namath. You know, I don't know if that's really, really a credible source or not, but, you know, there are some players that, you know, don't like who they're traded for. I mean, we have to go back to, like, you know, uh, Manning. He didn't want to go to San Diego, so he went for the Giants. For the Giants. So are we looking at maybe if if Trevor does get drafted by the Jets, he'll, he'll go for it or he'll just want to bolt somewhere else? Because, like he said, he wants to play for a contending team. No, not a pretending team.
1: You know, I, I hear you with that one there, and that seems to be a conversation that I keep seeing um, circulating every single time that they're doing a pregame for the Jets. Trevor has to come up, and then somebody has to give that, that take of, of him not wanting to come here. You know, Trevor needs to realize yeah. that this next year, 2022's draft or 2023's draft, he's going to be a top prospect. And the way this whole thing is designed is the best player in college football goes to the worst team in the NFL. That's just kind of how it works. Um, you know, if these guys had their pick of the litter, I'm sure the game would be yeah. completely different, but that's how it is. And, uh, Louie, thank you for calling in. Uh, we appreciate your takes, and, and we're glad that you came on to the show. And um, we'll get, we'll uh, leave you with a, a jeT uh, oh, man, I botched that one. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. All right? Be well and hang tight. All right, Louie?
3: Yeah, all right. See if you can trying to call my show if you can on Saturdays. Oh, do I have time to plug it in or no? Sure. Give us your plug. Sure. The Enhanced Sports Show Saturdays, 5 to 7 p.m. at East Coast time. The number to call is 512-543-4662. That number again, 512 543 Four six six two, and we have a plethora of stuff to talk about in that two-hour span. So, it'd be time, uh, if you good time, feel free to call. It costs you absolutely nothing.
1: Thanks a lot, Louie. We appreciate it, and we'll be sure to give you a look. And uh, maybe I'll be calling into your show next week. All right, bud. Take care. Thank and you. And talk soon. Right. All right, Dylan. You still with us, bud?
2: All right. Yes, I am.
1: All right. All right, so that was uh, pretty cool. I'm glad you got to interact with one of the callers and Green Bean.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I'm glad you handled that because I was having trouble understanding him again. Uh, I believe he was the caller last week, and I don't know. I just have a hard time understanding him, but I'm glad you, you uh, handled those questions. I heard him mention Gase and Trevor Lawrence, and I think they're both just wait-and-see cases. I mean, wait-and-see if Gase does get fired after Week 17 and wait and see if Trevor Lawrence does, in fact, declare to come out in the NFO draft. I believe both things will happen. I believe Gase will get fired, and I think Trevor Lawrence will come out. So for Louie, I just want to say there is optimism. Just hang tight. 2020 is an anomaly, and uh, 2021, we will look different and that is the truth right there. Um,
1: I thought 2019, it couldn't get any worse. 2020 had different plans for this team. And for my perspective or my, um, my, uh, predictions that I had created, um, I got to own up to it. I was going to go with six and 10. I flipped at the last minute and I went, I put my green goggles on and said nine and seven. So you can have your laugh (laughs) at me listeners. Um, but I want to ask you a question that I, I threw a green bean and um, minute mark. I've been thinking about it all day long. I didn't lose sleep over it because I don't lose sleep about the Jets anymore. I can't, I can't allow that to happen in my life. Yeah, but we're past that. <laughs> what happened? What, what do you think the, the thought process where, I mean, first off, all right, this is going to be, I'm going to throw it to you, a loaded question here. Number one, what's that Adam Gase's call? was a Dow Loggins call is Adam Gase still calling plays because it looks like he's talking to somebody under that headset and I don't know who it is, but what would you have done
2: in that six minute mark when the jets were still up by seven? All right. So to answer the first part of the question in short, I want to say no, Adam Gase did not call the play. I know Manish had a long article that was put out either last night or this morning about it. I read it and I, I don't know. I came away thinking that Doell Loggins has main communication control with the quarterback. So for this instance, Joe Flacco, I believe Gaith may be talking to Loggins through his headset. I'm not quite sure how the inter-coach communications work, but throughout all my research, only one coach is allowed to talk to the quarterback I don't think it's one coach at a time. I think it's one coach designated for the whole game, not a switching back and forth type of deal. So I'm not exactly sure what plays Gase is calling. Um, But I think overall Loggins called the play into Flacco's headset. Whether Gase called that play to Loggins, then to Flacco, I'm not exactly sure. But I think there's a situation where Gase is kind of sprinkling in his own plays here and there. And we – Aren't exactly sure which ones are going to be a Doell play or a Gaze play because they're both talking into their headsets looking at their play sheet. Um, but another reason I think it could be logins, and I think it is logins, is a lot of the personnel usage. We saw much more 12 personnel, which is one running back and two tight ends. Um, I'm pulling it up now, the snap counts, but Griffin had, okay, 22 snaps and Herndon had 30. So, that shows that they were playing a lot of uh, 12 personnel out of 46 total offensive snaps. They were both on the field a lot. I know Herndon didn't get targeted once in the past game. Griffin only had two targets and he caught them both, but they were using a lot of the 12 formation to run as well as pass. And I think that's something Gase doesn't do. Gase is habitual 11 personnel. He wants all three of his wide receivers on the field at a time. And, You see it in his play calling the first few weeks, regardless of who the wide receivers were, and we've talked about it at length, that the wide receiver depth outside of last night's game just wasn't appealing, and it doesn't look good to a quarterback, to a fan, to an organization. I mean, you had Jeff Smith, Braxton Berrios, Chris Hogan. Like, those are not wide receivers you want starting. So now that you saw the three, you see a little bit more – personnel usage which i think is a, a logins thing Gates would just have all three wide receivers out on the field 90 plus percent of the time you know barely pre-snap motioning i think that's another thing we're seeing a lot of um so overall yeah i think it's logins and Gates calling some plays here and there i don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of that first and ten chucking a prayer um flacco said it was you know he had to the read called before he threw it, I believe he said in the post game. So that's not really a good look, but overall, I don't think we'll ever get to the true bottom of it with the Jets. Yeah, it, it does seem to be a mystery. Um,
1: you know, Glenn and I were, were chatting a couple of weeks ago and, you know, I basically had said, you know, I'm seeing a lot of the same, um, you know, personnel in, in certain aspects and I'm seeing a lot of the same scheme going on here, just in a different style and cadence. And I think that it just kind of shows that, um, you know, Gase being the stubborn guy that will try to force, force you know, a personnel package um, because, you know, that was part of his game plan. That's what he thought was going to be um, successful against, you know, that particular team. And, you know, you could see how Dowell kind of mixed up things a little bit um, and interchanged, um, you know, the packages a little bit more. Um, I still don't understand how we can't, uh, you know, get our tight ends going. Um, and and this year, you know, for Chris Herndon, you know, he was somebody that I talked about at length during the offseason that was going to be, you know, one of the secret weapons, per se, in this offense that was going to help Sam Darnold and, and this offense, you know, um, do things that we haven't seen them do in years, and it's really unfortunate to see how much he struggled and just basically disappeared. Um, you know, he doesn't even seem like the same person. When he was asked about his numbers and the way the season was going, he just kind of gave this really, really—I don't—I don't, I don't want to say depressing, but it just was un-unenthusiastic. He was just like, "Well, you know, I was hurt last year, and I had the situation with the suspension, so." I'm just kind of happy to be here. No, that can't be what drives you, you know, every day. Um, Yeah, it's not a nature. You know, obviously, yeah, you know, of course you're happy to be there. Who wouldn't? Um, But Mm -hmm. you have to say, you know, I got to work harder or, you know, I got to put in extra work with my quarterback or I got to, you know, do a little bit more film study, you know, something. Um, Just, you know, I'm happy to be here. Well, you know, don't get content because, you know, you might be, you know, happily sitting on your couch next season if you don't continue to show something in these next seven weeks. Um, well, Dylan, we're at a twelve the mark here. Um, so we've got a few more things that I wanted to talk about tonight and uh, something that, you know, we've brought up in the past here. Um, what were your thoughts about the usage of LaMichael P. Ryan last night? Six carries and two catches. Um, so he had eight total touches last night um, compared to Gore's 14 touches. Um, neither, you know, looked extremely effective, but it did look like the young rookie had a little bit more juice in the tank um, than Frank. And I love Frank Gore. I think he's a great player, um, always been a big fan of him. But, you know, it's just there's just times out there where it's like the young man, you know, probably would have gotten extra two or
2: three yards in that particular play. Um, what, what do you think about those two right now? Yeah, I have to agree with just about everything you said there. Um, P. Ryan, he was on the, on the field for 21 out of the 43 touches to Gore's 23 snaps. So, I mean, or yeah, 21 out of 46 uh, touches, and Gore had 23 out of 46 touches. So, you know, the, the snap usage is just about 50-50, which you like to see. Uh, I mean, I personally want to throw Ty Johnson on the field a little bit more. He only had two snaps, but that's neither here nor there. But as far as P Ryan goes, it makes me nervous that the coaching staff might see something in him that's just not worth getting the touches. I mean, is it like small details that he's not picking up in practice, or is he just simply not ready, understanding the playbook fully? He doesn't look lost when he's on the field. At least not anymore. He did a couple times in pass protection in the beginning of the season. But, I mean, if a 37-year-old running back is just vulturing snaps from you at week nine in a winless season, something has to go off in your head as a fan. Like, is something not clicking with him exactly? And, I mean, overall on the season, you look at it, he has 41 carries, 149 yards, and a touchdown, but he's only averaging 3.7 yards per carry. And he's not really effective in the passing game or as much as you would hope. And I tweeted it out last night that I think the Jets need a dynamic running back on top of a, a whole bunch of other things on offense, but a dynamic running back would really go a long way. So I, I said it a couple of weeks ago, P Ryan looked like a hit and now I kind of want to backpedal a little bit and say that he's kind of a, a wait and see type player because we just haven't, seen it fully developed for him yet.
1: Yeah, I think as far as 2021 is concerned, you got to bring somebody in either through the draft or possibly through free agency uh, to keep the running game honest, because we've seen little flashes here and there. Um, you know, I think that he could be like lightning in a bottle for us if, if we were to give him, you know, the uh, number one running backs uh, duties, and, and kind of scripted some plays for him. But, you know, the pass pro situation, um, maybe that is what is quite alarming. And the O-line constantly always seem to, to be tripping over themselves and with, with injuries and things like that. Um, you know, maybe that's the reason why he's not getting into those, those critical big-time situations. You know, it was interesting how they brought him in on a short-yarded situation. He gets the first down they immediately take him out, bring in Gore, and then they run the ball again to get stuffed at the line, and it's like, you know, the kid couldn't have done that? I mean, what if he made something, or you know, shook somebody loose? You know, and they did that
2: really, really really head-scratcher there. Yeah, they did that exact similar thing on the very first drive of the game. They had first three plays, Gore run, Gore run, Gore run, and he converted the third and one, and then he, on the broadcast angle, you kind of see him jog towards the sideline and point, you know, like, probably pointing at maybe LaMichael P. Ryan or the running back coach saying, hey, I'm coming out. And to me, I thought that was interesting. Like, is, is Frank Gore just telling the coach, hey, I'm ready, I'm good now, so just put me in and I'll be the bell cow? Or are they actually going into the week, like, hey, Gore is going to get X percentage and P Ryan will get Y percentage and maybe Johnson will get Z percentage, but I think Gore is just in Adam Gase's head and has total power over this offense as far as when he wants to play and when he just wants to come out for a breather.
1: You know, and you could kind of see in certain aspects of the second half that, you know, he was taking a lot of hits and, you know, there was a play where it looked like he kind of rolled his ankle on where he was stopped behind the line of scrimmage. And then he kind of scampered and got the first down and he immediately asked for a breather after that you could tell that he was kind of like, you know, grimacing, you know, probably had that ankle, not feeling too good. But, you know, you can't, I cannot foresee a 37 year old running back, you know, taking those style of hits for another seven games. Now, Frank Gore has been, you know, the guy that just continues to defy logic as far as old running backs are concerned. So it will probably prove me wrong, but I just can't see it. And at some point, you know, you got to get 22, P. Ryan involved a little bit more. All right, so we're under seven minutes here, uh, Dylan, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about the youth movement here. We touched upon um, Ashton Davis earlier, but uh, a player I tweeted about last night, um, Bryce Hall, uh, cornerback from mm-hmm. Virginia, somebody that was on the IR for most of the year, he got some snaps last night, and I don't know if you noticed, but seer Looked like he possibly could have been benched, but then he ended up coming back in the game um, in the fourth quarter. So I don't know if they were unhappy with what they were seeing from Desir, and he got benched, and Hall got the opportunity because of Desir's poor play. And then after Hall kind of looked a little bit like a deer in headlights, because um, that was his first you know um, action since he's seen in college from I believe early um, 2019 um, because he missed majority of his uh, final year in college um, with I believe a broken ankle or or something of that nature and um, you know what did you what did you think of the younger guys out there like Zuniga and Hall that got some opportunities
2: yeah I was really intrigued by Bryce Hall I was excited to see number 37 out there every time I saw him on defense I'd keyed in on him and saw what he was doing. I got a little bit of that deer and headlights feel from him as well. Uh, I said this in the pre-show when we were just talking off air that it reminded me a lot of the Lamar Jackson first few games uh, when he was called up, and he had to play, you know, 80-plus percent of the snaps both of those games. Um, So I just – I think it'll get better as it goes along. Um, I'm not exactly sure how he and Desir split the snaps, but it looked – it was 50-50, Uh, Hall had 39, Desir had 43, and it looked like Desir finished the game, so I'm not exactly sure what the coaching staff saw in Bryce Hall that was worthy of putting Desir back out there, but Desir, I think he costed just the game more than anything on the defensive side of the ball, that that 33-yard pass down to the three-yard line, he had so much space to just sprint after his guy and tackle him, and he just kind of jogged along, and Waited for somebody else to come no and tackle effort. him. And then when the, yeah, when the, they, they missed the tackle, he still didn't try. And somebody tweeted that that's going to be showed in high school uh, football film rooms across the country. And it should be because that was just poor effort. And he was supposed to be our cornerback one coming out of free agency when we paid him. So I just think you got to just play 37 Bryce Hall at this point. I'm not sure if he should start. But if you see Desir doing this again, immediately pull him and don't put him back because that was just – that was bad effort.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, number one, if you're going to let somebody, you know, catch a pass in front of you, you better bring them down. And if it's going to be a foot race, you know, I want to see you uh, picking seats. And, you know, mm-hmm. you can see that Desir – was not giving his full effort, maximum effort. He was kind of going through the motions. He took a poor pursuit angle, and then when he got inside Mm -hmm. the 10-yard line, you could see him downshift and almost into a jog. Um, He could have made a play. He could have dragged him down, but he wanted no part of it. Um, You know, somebody wrote a tweet last night that I kind of laughed at, but I was still a little peeved. Um, You know, Desir is is full-on tank mode guy. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that definitely yeah. looked the case because, of course. like I, I said before, there was no effort after that play. And, um, you know, one year, $5 million, you know, this guy's not in our future. Um, you know, maybe we got what we paid for there. There were some other corners that were in the market that the Jets uh, could have made offers to because um, they definitely had the money to do so. They decided not to. I kind of feel that the tight budgeting um, that the Jets had done with particular positions, exclusively edge yep. and cornerback and wide receiver were the three big focal points of where we've struggled, you know, consistently this year. Um, and hopefully Joe Douglas is making mental notes of that for next year um, as we get into it. Uh, Dylan, we got two two minutes left on the show here. Um Jets do not have a game next week. This is their bye week, so we don't have to suffer another loss next weekend. Um, Much-needed uh, bye week. Go ahead. <laughs> I hear you. So so what are you going to do, and um, what do you think the Jets are going to need to do when they come
2: back from their bye week? Coming out of the bye week, we you immediately look at the schedule, and they have the Chargers, which Justin Herbert's been lighting it up. So you got to hope that they have a game plan for protecting the deep ball. He's been – airing it out like crazy and on the offensive side if Sam Darnold is ready to go you gotta hope that they can replicate something like what we saw last night I said it earlier in the show that we're not exactly sure if Darnold could have done that performance that Flacco had last night but I believe that he could show most of that and if we could put both those things together I think you know Jets fans actually have a team to be proud of at the back end of the season I know it's not all great but you got to you got to hang on something positive right you can't be all negative
1: No, that's it at this point you know we we've, we've had 8 weeks of of negativity or 9 weeks of negativity um last night we saw a little bit of what looks like a football team offensively um jets still have to do a lot of a lot of work on the defensive side uh but you know they have some time to try to figure this out um i'm not completely in tank mode, but I'm almost there. A couple more losses will probably beat me down to a pulp. But, uh, Dylan, once again, this went by fast. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Green Bean, for giving us your time. Um, I'll be tweeting his uh, stuff out there so everybody can get involved with what he's got going on. And um, everyone, jetnation.com, go into our forums. That's where all the Jet Nation content talk is at, Um, you know, and it's never a dull moment there. Thank you uh, for once again for stopping by and listening, Jet Nation. Be well and stay safe, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23 and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time,
4: Go Jets!